Welcome to Culinary Crash Course. This is the What's New episode one. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, things that happened this week and um, things that um, I just felt like needed to be talked on this talked about on this episode. So the first thing that I kind of want to cover is um, the garden that I started this week. Um, I started uh, planting tomatoes and uh, rosemary and I'm also planting uh, cilantro and uh, my tomatoes have actually like grown a lot from like these seeds that I got from I think it was like Walmart or something that I got these seeds from and uh, they're organic seeds and I didn't expect them really to grow much but I put them in one of those like seed starter kits that has um, the uh, little plots of dirt that you water with this plant food and I didn't, really didn't think that these seeds were actually going to grow as fast as they did it's only it had only been like a week or something and they grew they outgrew their dome already so now I'm gonna have to move them outside I haven't started my cilantro yet but I do my rosemary is starting to grow uh, roots out of the bottom of them because uh, my across the street neighbor Muriel she uh, has a rosemary bush, and sometimes I will borrow rosemary from her for, like, recipes that I'm making at home or anything. Like, the last time I borrowed rosemary from her was uh, when I was making focaccia bread. And I think it was for, like, a week or something. I was making just uh, different uh, variations of focaccia bread with different, like, hydration levels um, from, like, 95% to 100%. And uh, they all came out really, really, really good. And, of course, since uh, Muriel gave me some of her rosemary for basically free, um, I gave her some focaccia and she loved it. And, uh, but some of the, uh, rosemary that I got from a rosemary bush, it's like young rosemary. So I'm trying to, uh, replant them. And to do that, you have to put them in like a glass of water and change the water every cup, like every week until like all of the roots grow out of them. And they're starting to grow some pretty long roots out of the bottom of the rosemary. So hopefully soon I will have a rosemary bush soon. Um, actually later today, I'm going to have to replant my, uh, tomatoes outside now that the weather is a lot better, but, um, that's all really exciting and I'm glad, or I'm very ha happy that I'm going to start having a garden soon. I'm really, really, really excited. I've been wanting to plant things and take care of them for a long while now. Another thing that happened this week, um, was that like me and, uh, my chef at my work, uh, chef Scott, we were talking about, um, the Alchemist, which is this like crazy cool restaurant um, in the United States, that um, really they 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 do. I think it was like fifty courses or something, something in some insane amount of courses. I can't exactly remember the exact number, and it's like a two, it's like a seven hour experience. And uh, throughout the entire experience, when I was watching this YouTube video, um, it was just a lot of food challenging the guest, and like a lot of like awesome foods like things like um they had a dish that looked like a droplet of blood and uh it had a qr code on the plate and whenever the guests scanned that qr code um it would take them to a um like a document that was about um the blood shortage um that was over there wherever the restaurant is i can't remember exactly where it is I, I'm, it might not even be in the united states I, just, I can't remember exactly, but it's called it's called The Alchemist, and it, the restaurant was just super cool. It had kind of had, like, the menu vibes almost, but, like, not as creepy, of course, and not as, like, open kitchen-y. Um, but they also had, like, a course um, where they actually paired with NASA 
to use vegetable scraps to create a bread completely made out of vegetable scraps. And it's crazy that a restaurant has like paired with such a big company like science program as NASA to create something like that. Cause I mean, it really gets rid of like a bunch of food waste and stuff. And like, but the conversation that me and chef Scott had this week was about like, you know, the, when to know like when you should be challenging your guests and when you shouldn't be with like your foods with like a restaurant that I'm working at right now with chef Scott. Um, we don't really, we don't really like create weird dishes like that because like a lot of our clientele are people who like, you know, they come in, they want their dishes to challenge them a little bit. And we're just, we're using like techniques that, you know, already exist, um, uh, here and are like simple, but delicious. And then, you know, presenting them in a very like, um, cool and influential way. Um, and like a lot of the flavors are really great. And like, we were talking about how like Chef Scott's restaurant, you wouldn't want to challenge the guests too much. You know, you wouldn't want the guests to come in and like, they wouldn't know exactly how to eat the food that's in front of them, you know, cause then we wouldn't have the clientele that we have and especially for the area, but like places like the alchemist, you know, they're built around challenging their guests and they're able to challenge their guests so much. And you know, that's their whole thing. So that's why they work is because that is their whole thing is challenging the guests. So people come in and spend thousands of dollars to be challenged and they want to do that seven hour experience. Now, I don't know whether I would do a seven hour food experience. I mean, if I had the like disposable income for it, I'm sure that I would, but I just, seven hours is a very long time, but I mean, being enthralled in food and just how much I love food and cooking it and preparing it for people. I mean, I think I could, especially if I had the disposable income, because I feel like, you know, once you get so like, once you have so much income, I feel like especially with like, you know, crazy rich people, I feel like at a certain point, um, they kind of get bored and they don't really know uh, what to do next or like they don't really know what to do with all the disposable income besides, you know, donate it or um, do fundraisers and things like that, which is all so great. But like when you have so much disposable income, you know, what do you do? I mean, I guess you go to the alchemist and do a seven hour tasting experience. <laughs> And uh, that was just a conversation that I had with my uh, chef this week. And um, some other things that um, happened uh, this week and things that I've just been thinking about was I've been really thinking about like what, you know, why haven't I figured out exactly like what my niche is in the food industry? Like some people have like certain niches like Chef Scott, his niche is like he took a, he studied a lot of like Spanish food and he also studied a lot of uh, French food. So that's why, you know, the restaurant I work at with him is uh, French oriented, especially with our presentations and just um, our, uh, like the sauces we make and everything are like very French and very um, classic and delicious. And like, I really haven't found my niche yet, I don't think. And of course, Chef Scott told me, you know, that was okay, that I haven't found my niche yet. And one day I will. And I hope, I hope that I do. And he, he another thing that he also talked to me about which was very interesting was that whenever some people who like find their niches, um, they like, they, they might not like focus in on a main, a main thing for too long. They might, they might like try to master maybe like one too many things. And then they're like, okay, at making, you know, uh, street 
uh, street Mexican or they're okay at uh, doing a barbecue, but they don't really like take the time to master the things that they're really, really, really good at. And sometimes you can get kind of lost in that way. And uh, I found that really interesting when Chef Scott uh, told me that. And I think he's kind of right, you know, you can't, you kind of go through life and, um, you know, you find all these things that you like. And sometimes you can get lost and not spend enough time on like the main thing that you want to learn or the main thing that you're good at. And then you kind of get lost and you don't like really master something. Cause like they say that like it takes 10 out 10,000 hours to master something. And I feel like sometimes, especially with me, cause I like, I hyper focus on things a lot uh, in my life, especially when it comes to like things that I like. So like, let's say one week I'll start collecting like vinyls, but then the next week, which I think vinyls is definitely my main collecting thing. But like another time that I started like building, uh, like little model Gundams and I built two of them and I stopped and I still have three that are unbuilt. And it's like, I hyper focus on these things for like week. And then like, I don't focus on them ever again. And they just kind of sit there or whatever. But I mean, my one main collection for sure has to be vinyls because I still collect vinyls to this day. And I, it's been like two years since I started three and I don't think I'll ever stop just because music is such a big thing in my life. And, uh, I love music a lot. Um, especially if you guys follow my TikTok at all, um, I do post, um, like snippets of vinyls that I play and, um, but I always thought that, that was super interesting when Scott told me about that. And maybe one day I will find the one thing in culinary that I should focus on, my ma- like my main niche. Of course, there's nothing wrong with having side niches. Uh, something that I do want to learn is I do want to learn how to smoke meats. I may not become a master of it, but I really do want to learn how to like smoke my own brisket. I feel like that would be so awesome and amazing. And I've always wanted a smoker and really I've always wanted to experiment with that kind of stuff. Of course... Um, I do also love making classical French food, and I also love, um, I love making anything besides American, really. American food, I feel like, um, I love, like, don't get me wrong, I love a burger, I love um, steak, I love all your classic, like, American cuisines, you know, especially, like, especially when they get um, fused with other, um, col- or other cultures, um, other cultures' food, especially, especially love the fusions. Um, but hopefully one day I will find my niche and, you know, I will find the main thing that I want to study for the rest of my life. And then I'll find a bunch of books about it. And like, I'll find the one thing that I'm just like, oh, I am really, really, really good at making this. And hopefully I'll focus on it. So some other things that I wanted to talk about, um, was like professionalism at the workplace. So I have worked at many different places, some not as professional as others. Um, Everything from like a corporate restaurant, uh, like a corporate restaurant you see at every corner that like is okay. Like a Chili's, I have never worked for a Chili's, but like something along those lines and that level. And I've also worked at places that uh, really care about quality and places that, um, you know, are really professional when it comes to the workplace. And some of those places that I've worked at, like they're unorganized, um, people put labels wherever they want, people wrap things however they want. And like, nobody really has like a certain way you do things. And, um, I've also worked at places where like, 
like my current job, where like when we saran wrap nine pans, you have to take a towel and you have to wipe the edges of the nine pan and you have to put the saran wrap on there tightly to where like even you yourself would question whether there's saran wrap on there. And it has happened to me at work where I was like, I touched something, I didn't know there was saran wrap on it. I poked a hole in it and to rewrap it. But like, that's how we do things at my work and we take things like that very uh, serious. And another professional thing that we do at my work is um, whenever you take blue tape and you label something, the date and what it is, you have to use scissors to cut it. You can't just tear the blue tape because we want to look as professional as possible, which even means scissors. And we have scissors hanging with blue tape pretty much everywhere around there so that there's always a pair of scissors for you to cut your blue tape so that we can look as professional as possible and where we put it is specific as well for certain things so like let's say i have my sauces in in my um my water my hot water bath for my station um so sauces like different purees and stuff that we put on plates so i have to keep at a certain temperature um those labels i won't put on the side of the uh the the um pint container but i'll put them on the top because they're going to be sitting in water and also at the end of the night we're going to rotate them anyways if we can save them if we can't save them they're going to be tossed but everything else you have to put it um on the side of the container not on top just for those things we put it on top and i think that like whenever a restaurant has something like a level of professionalism like that it you know everybody works together everybody does the same things they do the same you know they label everything the same it's just like the kitchen becomes so much more organized and you know nothing is out of place or weird or like mislabeled or you know looks nothing looks trashy you know everything looks professional clean and awesome and then there's like then there's places like those those chilies or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't say that like, I can't say that like, uh, like I've never worked for Chili, so I can't say exactly how they run the kitchen. I'm sure they run the kitchen fine. But places like that, uh, especially if you work for management that don't care about whether things are, how things are wrapped or like some people just aren't going to wrap them properly. They may spoil faster, especially if they're not saran wrapped correctly. Um, Or if things aren't labeled properly or in the same place when you label them, they could end, end up lost. And if somebody doesn't find that and it wasn't uh, FIFO correctly, which means first in, first out for anybody who doesn't know what FIFO means. Um, and like then things spoil, uh, your food cost goes up like a number of things and it kind of just, the ball kind of tumbles from there. Um, so the next topic that I wanted to talk about, uh, was like micromanaging in the restaurant industry. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't avoid micromanaging, but it's definitely one of those things that really, really bothers me is because, uh, especially now that I've gotten older, it feels like I, I don't get like verbally mad about it or anything. Usually if it happens, I <laughs> try to ignore it. Um, or I'll just say, you know, yes, chef, or, yeah, you know, yes, uh, I'll do that, you know? And like, let's say I'm working on something and uh, somebody told me to do it a certain way and then somebody uh, like, and then somebody else is watching me while I'm doing that that thing the entire time and, like they're they're telling me things that were already told to me by somebody else like reiterating things over and over and over again and that can be that can that can come across as like super annoying 
especially when you know you feel like you know you know what you're doing now especially when i've when you've become well established at the restaurant and like you understand how things work it can be just so bothersome to be micromanaged and told reiterated things that you already know and things that you already told and like somebody watching you over your shoulder pretty much the entire time and it's like don't you you know have your own prep work you don't really have to pay that much attention to me I know how much of this I need or how much of that I need prepped up and um it can just become very bothersome and I've learned to kind of ignore it and you know not get as mad as I probably would be when I was like 19 20 I definitely don't get mad and it takes a lot for me to get mad nowadays especially like when I was younger maybe like 19 20 I would I would I would get mad at people and I would like say things back or whatever and sometimes you know people can mean well even though they do stuff like that and another thing that kind of comes with micromanaging is like I don't I really don't enjoy it when people are very passive aggressive especially when it comes to like you know they keep asking you about the same like let's say you're making biscuits and they keep asking you about the biscuits and like making sure that you make the correct amount and then they're they're just like oh you know uh biscuits only take this long or like they're telling you like oh well that's not gonna equal out to this amount of biscuits and it's like it can be so like i can tell you're being passive aggressive because you don't want to tell me that like oh this thing is taking a while but it's like you know, you're not, you're not telling me that like, hey, you're taking a long time, but you're using other words to tell me. And it's like, I, I really, 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 really get annoyed by that, especially <laughs> as micromanaging. So another thing that I've noticed this week that really, really bothers me is um, like, let's say that I'm closing down my station and one person who, you know, is, my, is one of my managers tells me that it needs to be done this way every night. And so I'm doing it like that every night. And then another person sees me close it down like that. And they're just like, oh no, you don't have to do, you don't have to do this or you don't have to do that. Why are you doing that? That also bothers me. If I was to ever open up my own restaurant, I would make sure that the the opening and closing stuff is the same every single day and that everybody knows it. I would laminate that shit, put it on a wall, put it in a binder so that way there isn't two people, two different people tell me two different things and none of them are going to the executive chef to ask them, um, to ask him, you know, like, how should it be done? But they're both just like saying one thing and the other. And then I'm just standing there like, I just tell me, please just tell me the right way to do it and I can do it. I don't, I don't care which way it's supposed to be done. Just please tell me which way to do it. And like, you know, I feel like those types of things you really, really, really need to make sure that everybody is on the same page for in any sort of establishment, whether it's a restaurant or like maybe a retail place or anything. It really, really, really does need to be the same way every single night and every single morning. Because once people start telling two different ways and everything, then everybody gets confused and then it's never done the same way ever again. And it's like, I, I, just, I don't like that. It really, it, it bothers me a lot, honestly. So one last thing that I really, really wanted to uh, talk about this week that I found really interesting is uh, I have a friend, his name is uh, Jace, 
and uh, he started doing this uh, cool website called Take Home a Chef, and basically, it's this restaurant. Uh, I'm not restaurant. <laughs> it's it's this website where uh, people can sign up to have like private chefs uh, cater their events or cater their parties or just feed them and a bunch of friends if they want like a really nice steak dinner. And my buddy Jace has been doing it for a while now and he's been uh, he's making good money. He's making good extra money off of it. He started like building up his uh, uh, equipment to use for each job. Like he's been buying new equipment, like small fryers and things and like that to help him like create the dishes that people need and everything. And like every week that he talks to me about it and shows me all of these like menus that he's created and everything, it's just so awesome. Which is like one great thing that I've really, really, really wanted to learn is how to create menus. And I really, really this week, I guess this next, these next couple of weeks, I really want to um, study creating menus. And I really, really, really want to uh, keep reading um, all my uh, culinary books that I have at home. And a lot of them have great information on like what ingredients pair well together and like learning uh, in different ways to prepare them. And I really, really want to start studying it and start creating my own menus. So I might in the next two weeks start doing that. And uh, I'll let you guys know how creating menus goes for me. I would really love to start creating my own menus and figuring that out because like that can be a really awesome thing to do. Like people can, they can pay you to create a menu for them, you know? and stuff like that. So the take home chef thing is like you, you sign up for it and people, you put up your menus that you created, um, and any other like experience or background that you have on the website. And then people will message you and tell you like, you know, how people you're going to be feeding, uh, what they, what kind of food they want. You can send them menus and feedback and be like, Oh, what if we did this? And they can tell you the things they don't like about the menu or things they like about it. Once, once a deal strikes and uh, everything, they they give you the money to go and you get the ingredients and and then you go to their house or wherever the event is and then you cook for them. You can put out like courses, however they want. You know, he, my buddy Jay said that he's even had people like just ask for like hamburgers and hot dogs and he's just like, but that's not really what I want to do. <laughs> even though, you know, cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for somebody is, I mean, it's fairly simple. And I can understand why Jace would turn those down, you know, because he really wants to be challenged whenever he somebody asks him to make food for them. He wants to be challenged. He wants to make something new. You know, he doesn't want to just do the same old thing all the time. I mean, it, it can be easy, and you can make easy money that way. But, like, he's like me. He's very passionate about the culinary industry, and he's very passionate about, you know, the things that he does. And I think it's great that he is and that he's uh, – constantly challenging himself i think it's absolutely amazing and um my hope is that you know once i start studying how to create menus and um i graduate school i'm, I'm planning on doing this after i graduate school because you know i'll have the certificate and everything of that uh i have a associates in culinary management and after that i might start doing that as like a side project slash side business i might start creating you know menus and start uh, actually serving food to people and maybe like uh, gaining a lot of equipment to help me make those foods and maybe I can start uh, you know making special private events for people with like all these delicious foods and start challenging myself so that I build up a repertoire and that could eventually end up helping me find my niche 
for when I'm creating, uh, you know, making food and what exactly style of food that I want and that I'm really good at. And I really hope that that happens. Um, so that is uh, all I really have today, or I mean this week, for my What's New episode. Um, of course, I'll have more next Sunday. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, Eli, if you could, you can go ahead and hit the lo-fi hip-hop. Thank you.